0: Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Cryle. Today I'm joined by Andy Skinner, Paul Chalk, and Sean Wallace, the men who know all about the last week in Aberdeen, Ross County, and Inverness Cali Thistle Land. How are we, guys? All right. Good, thanks.
1: Very well, thanks. Yeah, passport's in the cupboard. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we jinxed it. Sorry. Uh, but this yeah it has been a week of i suppose mixed fortunes for our aforementioned teams aberdeen certainly uh, the season was already over let's be honest but a pretty dismal evening at st johnston last night not as bad as ross county's last few days of course which just saw them miss out on european qualification that we thought looked so certain almost uh, just a week ago and Cali Thistle, very much still all to play for in their playoff semi-final with Armthorpe. But yes, first of all, Sean, let's go to the Dons, shall we? A one 0 defeat at St Johnston, conceded an abysmal goal, total lack of penetration in attack, despite having a lot more of the ball than St Johnston. It was just, it was just another game to sum up the season,
2: wasn't it? Yeah, it was just like deja vu, is <laughs> it for him? It's a clean your way every game, and it's been like a brutal campaign for Aberdeen supporters. I mean, it was just, it was dire viewing, really, really grim stuff. Uh, Aberdeen were so ponderous in possession. I mean, there was all this. Like, I mean, I think they had three times as much passes as St Johnston, but they did absolutely nothing with it. I think Jim Goodwin was spot on when he said it could have been playing for another two hours and not scored. probably play for another two days and not score the way they were, they were performing. It's just, I mean, it didn't help that they didn't have an experience, well, a striker with uh, Premier League experience. I mean, Michael Ruth was thrown in for his first start for Aberdeen up against three centre-backs uh, I mean, he's he's only played 18 minutes for Aberdeen with four brief substitute appearances. It's asking a lot for him to come in. I mean, fair play to Michael Ruth. He, he ran his heart out, he did his best, but I mean, you can only do so much with what you've got. And he didn't get much in terms of supply. And that has been the story of the entire season. No creativity. Very little quality balls into the box. It's just far too ponderous, slow. It was, I mean I'm sure for the travelling supporters at the end of the season, can't come quickly enough and then get the rebuild and look forward to next season. Consign this one to the rubbish bin.
0: Yeah, I know we discussed last week as well the the need, the Aberdeen are so much better when they get the ball wide and Jim Goodwin obviously after the game said we didn't do that. Too many times yeah. we've got you know, into that position to pull the trigger, get the ball in the box, and we we'll chose the easy option to go backwards instead. And if you look at St Johnstone's stats for the night, it shows that if you if you take risks, you know, if you pass the ball forward in the final third, you you get results. You create a bit more chances. Um, in terms of you, you touched on not having the striker um, available, the senior striker available. Of course, the reason for that was Marley Watkins was injured, and early in the week we'd found out that Christian Ramirez, the club's top goal scorer this season, had been given. With, with safety secured and Jim Goodwin citing Ramirez's fatigue after basically a year of non-stop football he had been given a, an extra week off and he's gone home to the US early. Is that a is that a strange decision? Is it an understandable decision? What's your what's your take on
2: that one? Yeah. I've thought long and hard about <laughs> this one. <because laughs>
0: out loud at times?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I would say it, On some levels, it's an understandable decision because, I mean, Ramirez has been so off the boil recently and he arrived at Petaudry in the summer, basically like a few days after having been on a bench for Houston. He had no summer break and for the entire campaign, he's been the, the starter. All the pressure and onus has been on Christian Ramirez to deliver the goals I mean, Marley Watkins had been sidelined with injury for a long period. And I don't think Marley Watkins is an out-and-out striker anyway. I think he's more a creative number 10. Yeah. And J. Emmanuel Thomas, I mean, he came saying he was going to net 20 goals, hit one, and then had his contract terminated. <laughs> so all the pressure was on Ramirez, and he looked burnt out. And I mean, people are saying, why you let him go? at home early when there's still two games to play. But, I mean, I think the optics of it don't look great. It doesn't look great. But you've got to also factor in potential mental health issues. I don't know how Ramirez is feeling, but, I mean, his family just went back home a couple of weeks ago and he's clearly frustrated. So I'd say get him back early. And then hopefully he comes afresh. I mean, there's speculation that he won't return next season, but Jim Goodwin has underlined that the plan is for him to come back. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But at the moment, the premise is that he will return, so hopefully the week off will give him time to come back fresher.
0: I suppose that there was the added element of intrigue and the fact that Ruth gets this first start of his Don's career and it comes... But two games before the end of his Don's career, yeah. So it's obviously no one the kind of shop window for him, and who knows, he probably have to play in the weekend as well against St Mirren. Yeah. Uh, the goal the Dons conceded it feels like every time we discuss the Dons, we discuss uh, Rope centre back performances. But who do we who do we pin this one on? I know David Bates found himself out yeah. wide, but I mean, you could you could blame David Bates being out there on. Jack McKenzie and Adam Montgomery not covering that area of the pitch well enough. But Declan Gallagher's got to have more awareness of where Callum Henry is, doesn't he? He
2: played with him. Yeah, he has. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a catalogue of disasters. Yeah. I mean, it was shambolic. I mean, they get a long ball punted upfield. David Bates is caught a possession. Then he back and is again sort of bypassed by Glenn Middleton. Then the ball comes in and Galka should be reading that far better, cutting it out. calm Hendry just gets in front of him. And once St. In, once in Johnston had a lead, I mean, it's something to hold on to. And it just became impenetrable. And <laughs> yeah. Aberdeen, for, for the team that struggled so much this season to break down teams, you just thought, oh, this is going to end up 1-0. And it did.
0: Do you think... Um... Gallagher and Bates can can bring it back over the summer they're obviously both still under contract so unless something dramatic happens they'll both be there competing for several defensive positions next season
2: it's a strange one I mean you look at it and you think oh there's promise there but then they just blow up and make mistakes like that so there's there's that vulnerability there in the defence and as long as you've got a vulnerability in defence it spreads throughout the whole team yeah the mid it goes into the midfield and then goes up to attack because the attackers think, well, if we're going to concede, then we're going to have to score twice to have any chance of getting a win. And it, it just breeds a nervousness throughout the entire team.
0: Are you excited about uh, the final game of the season? I mean, the game itself. Or are you just excited about the Superman game being drawn to a close <laughs> at 90 minutes and the final whistle going?
2: Do you want an honest answer? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, to be fair, it's been a, a tough season. Isn't it? I mean, I'm just I'm just excited to look for the summer to see what's, how big a rebuild this squad undertakes. I think it's a lot bigger than potentially Jim Goodwin anticipated when he came in. I mean, he'd said like five or six players coming in. I think you're looking at double figures. I think this will require the biggest squad rebuild since... Uh, in the last 20 years or so. Probably since Eddie Turnbull actually came in and had 17 players. Yeah, well, it,
0: it, it, it does feel like double figures will be required this time. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
0: Okay. We also heard this week, um, Sean, you can enlighten us in this, uh, Luke Turner, his impending departure, another alongside Michael Ruth, another player that's going to be released in the summer. He was a controversial one because he obviously was such a good season in Northern Ireland a lot of fans didn't really understand why he wasn't coming back to Aberdeen getting yeah. a new deal given his chance. But what did what did Jim Goodwin, how did he explain the decision to let Turner go?
2: Well we asked Jim Goodwin about that and he confirmed that Turner's leaving and obviously Nottingham Forest are looking to give him a trial. Yeah when you think if Nottingham Forest are looking at a defender, a team that are pushing to go up to the Premier League, then surely there must be something there. I mean, he's only 19 years old. He just won Northern Ireland Young Player of the Year for uh, an impressive season on loan at Cliftonville. He won the League Cup with him and came within a point of winning the league title. But Jim Goodwin says he's assessed it and he believes that there are younger centre-backs at the, at the club who are potentially better and he did not want to block their progress in the future by offering... Turner another year's contract, then potentially putting him out on loan again, which would just which wouldn't be much help for Turner. Wouldn't really benefit Aberdeen. So he's told him that the best solution is for him to go and look for another club. Yeah. So at least at least he's been honest, and Turner can now move on and. Judging by what he's done at Cliftonville, he should get a decent move somewhere.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that lack of I don't want to say lack of sentiment, but the, the willingness to be ruthless and make the the hard decisions is certainly what Aberdeen need this summer and hopefully, you know, hopefully can make the right hard decisions. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the, <laughs> I think the next a few,
2: season. I think there's a few hard decisions needed in the summer. Yeah.
0: Anyway, well, you think this week's dawn section was fun, just wait until next week's Uh, But we'll move on (laughs) and next up we'll discuss Ross County's Continental Catastrophe. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym, but you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay Andy, so obviously Cross County lost the Rangers last night at Ibrox but that was just the kind of final nail in the coffin for their European uh, qualification prospects. I think the big the big blow was the defeat to Motherwell in Dingwall. Is that a day they'll they'll always regret uh, at the Global Energy Stadium?
1: Yeah, um I think the Motherwell game is the one that they'll they'll kind of look back to as being the uh, the day that the pendulum swung um you know away from them because um they'd been in such a good you know mental state going into the, the game the uh, were ahead of Motherwell and knew that a draw was even, you know, something that would have kept the the advantage in in their favour. Um, the manner of the defeat as well was a difficult one to take. For it to have been settled by a penalty, which uh, I'm still not really any further on with, to be honest. Uh, you, you know, even described it as soft as the uh, at the time, which I I thought it was at the time. I, I still haven't really uh, got much closer to a verdict on it from seeing the replays. It's all quite inconclusive but um, you know for all the possession that they had and um, you know the chances that they they dug out they just couldn't break Motherwell down and um, you know I had a little hunch after that that game that just something with Motherwell having you know ended that horrible streak that they were on um, going into you know their final two games in the driving seat was going to was going to maybe just end things for for county but I did actually think it would come down to the the last day. Um I think that will be frustrating for for county. That it did it look, one stage last night look as if it it, it was going to go down to the the last day. There was a a stage early in the second half where Motherwell were drawing with Hearts and Dundee United were we losing to to Celtic. Um and in that scenario, I mean, I I was glued to the, the, the live table, obviously, because it had a huge effect on what my match report was going to look like. But, um, you know, had that remained the case, then both teams would have been catchable by goal difference. And so the second half for County at Ibrox was ma- mainly a case of them, you know, trying to keep the scoreline down to, you know, to keep that goal difference uh, manageable going into Saturday's game. But I think it was a within a minute or so that both Motherwell got the second against... Hearts and United uh, got the, the equaliser against Celtic, and um, at that stage it became apparent that County were really going to need to get something themselves at uh, at Ibrox. They, I mean, they pushed uh, hard in the second half. By that stage, they were quite fortunate to still be within any sort of chance of of getting back into the game because you know Rangers really started with um, with intent and. You know, could have scored a lot more than two in that that first half, an hour forty minutes or so. Um, As I say, county got themselves back into the game through a a really nice strike by Jordan White, but um, eventually it just ran away from them, and it was um, yeah, just a a, a case of not not to be. And and Saturday's game against Dundee United becomes a a meaningless one, but also I suppose an opportunity for them to to try and bow out from a you know what still has been a you know, a successful season on on some sort
0: of high in front of their their own fans. What was the mood like last night? Obviously, Ross County are doing press today, which by the time this comes out, I imagine that press conference will have been and gone. But I'm sure you'll get to maybe see a slight contrast between, well, you know, the Motherwell game, the mood mood at Ibrox last night after the game, and then the mood today. Do you expect? Do you expect maybe a, a slight, um, a slightly more reflective Malky Mackay? or was was he really down after European qualification was confirmed as not being happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I would, reflective was the word I was going to use about today's press conference. I think that's exactly what it'll be um, because, you know, the club has come a long way in a short space of time and, uh, you know, it's a sign of the progress that they've made that, you know, they're sitting disappointed not to have made a a European spot given where they were earlier in the season. you, You also forget the, the run that they they had to put together to get into the top six in the first place. Um, you know, if you'd offered them uh, top six football in February, March time, and told them that they would miss out on European football, then they would have, I'm sure, taken that at the time because, you know, they had to put a late run together to to even achieve that. Uh, I mean, if you'd, if you'd told Malky Mackay in October, that you would uh, you finish in the top six, but miss out on European football, then <laughs> I mean you would have had a, a pretty amused reaction, I'm sure. But um, yeah, no, it's it, it certainly he it was he was upbeat last night in in regard to the progress they've made and the foundations that are in place for next season. Um, but yeah, there was that raw disappointment that again they just weren't able to take it down to even
0: the last day and, and bring that kind of
1: drama to to Dingwall.
0: Yes, very disappointing for those Ross County fans that already had the, the shorts and the lilos and all those all those bits and pieces looked out. Chalky, let's discuss Inverness, Cali, Thistle then. Still a lot of play for against our Arbroath, but I, I, I don't know what your take on the tie is because after the high of dispatching Partick, it felt quite comfortable as well, the way they, they got past Partick. It sounded like they were maybe on the back foot a little bit at home against the part-timers on Tuesday night.
3: Yeah, a phrase that we heard a lot around the stadium on, on Tuesday before and during and after was, uh, we know what to expect from our broth and what we expected we pretty much got. The way they started the game, they had been rested, of course, and um, their last competitive match was April the 29th, but Dick Campbell ahead of that game against Morton actually rested nine players so a lot of their key men had a fortnight off before going into this game and then there was the argument Cali Thistle coming in with um, two high pressure matches against Partick that you've mentioned a 3-1 aggregate win would be sharper and ready to go um, but both started the better team although the best opportunity you could argue in the first half did go the way of Kelly Thistle when player in the month, Logan Chammers crashed one off the crossbar. So um and then in the second half Kelly Thistle really upped their game a, a bit and you know had a number of opportunities. The best one was a great ball from the skipper Sean Welsh through to Austin Samuels, the goal hero in both those part-tick games with winners and both and um Derek Gaston that we know so well in the Arworth goal pulled off a great finger Save to to put it past the post. So no no, um, the feeling um, you know is a little bit of anxiety, really, because of Arbroath's records. You've got to remember they've only lost one game all season on their home turf, and that was to Vanessa way back in July. So the only other defeat they've had since then was in the Scottish Cup against Hibs. So uh, it is. Uh, we always talk about a tough place to go, but it's backed up with the stats when it comes to Arboroth. Um Dick Campbell, the Arboroth manager afterwards, was very upbeat. Everyone knows this fairy tale story that uh, is catching fire all over the place, all over the country. I'm talking about the UK and beyond, uh, about part-time Arbroath potentially getting into the Premiership. So, yeah, I spoke to Graham Bain, who's played for both clubs this week, and he, he said that's another factor that Cali Thistle need to handle. But Cali Thistle have been there as a club, as the everyone's kind of second favourites coming through the divisions, and now it's Arbroath's turn to have a go at it. But, yeah, it's in a knife edge. Cali Thistle are unbeaten at Gayfield. They, they drew the game in the new year as well. They know what to expect it, it, I expect it, it could be a, a one that could go all the way they're so evenly matched
0: Good perhaps for Cali Thistle that both, as I said we all know they're a part time club the games are three days apart you imagine at least some of the Arbroath players couldn't get holidays off their work to recover sufficiently uh, do you think that could have a bearing on things?
3: It could, yeah, and Dick Campbell spoke about that after the game, that, um, unlike Inverness, his players were back at work the next morning, And um, whereas the, speaking to Mark Ridgers, the Cali Thistle keeper afterwards, he was stressing that a lot of uh, focus will now be on rest and recovery and um their sports scientist Ross Hughes will be a big part of that and uh, um, like Andy as well I'm going to a press conference um, Soon Where we'll be speaking to Billy Dodds About that You know uh, How important is that factor This week You know They're a full time Set of players um, And you know If it is to go Beyond the 90 minutes That might well be a factor As well But I think What What uh, we, what we do know about our growth is that they are a, a fit bunch of players. They've, they're better than just well organised. They're a team that took the title right down to the wire and only were one win away from clinching that title. So they're real, real contenders. But Callie Thistle have had a bit of a swagger about them. Eight wins and 11. I have to say he wasn't his best the other night, but I've been really impressed by Shane Sutherland, um, who's really come to the fore. Uh, right at this crucial time you know just in terms of his assists as well as his goals I think he'll be a big man tomorrow for, in this tie and I know Dick Campbell's spoken about him before though they'll, they'll be very wary of him so uh, yeah it's, it's a great one for the, the TV audience tomorrow night uh, watching BBC Scotland and I think uh, you know uh, St Johnston of course lie in wait.
0: The dawn slaying St Johnston
3: Yeah
1: well I was just I was actually just gonna ask Sean about that St Johnston do lie and wait and in- uh, just in terms of the mood music last night, you know, did it seem as if Saints, um, you know, looked really up for, you know, trying to get some momentum going before that playoff? I mean, the, I'd, I'd heard from people that had been watching them that they were kind of dreading the, the playoffs a, a, wee, a wee bit just based on their recent form. But it was last night's kind of performance and result like a sign that they're going into this, uh, you know, fully intent on, uh, you, you know, coming through the, the tie no matter who they, they come up against.
2: Yeah, I would say so. the The thing that impressed me about St Johnston last night is that they were very calm. There was no no sense of panic. Yeah, uh, at all. I think that comes from a manager, and uh, he was he was very candid after the, the game, saying that all focus now goes on the playoffs. They've got one game left before the the season ends, and well, the Premiership campaign ends, and they've got some suspensions and a few niggly injuries so I would anticipate them resting players ahead of the playoff Uh, they looked they looked pretty good last night far better than Aberdeen anyway
0: we know all about like Glenn Middleton Sean Rooney players like that and what they can do when they're they're on their game and I suppose that that lack of panic maybe comes from the fact that they have stuck by Callum Davidson all season despite how things have gone we know after last season a lot of those players are still there pretty much the majority of them are still there we yeah. know what those players can do on their day as a unit as well anyway, shoot <laughs> things that go well for Inverness tomorrow night, it's going to be a very very miserable episode of Northern Goal next week, let me tell you so you can, <laughs> you can mark that in your calendar to listen to um, if you've got literally nothing else better to do, but yes, thanks to Andy Paul and Sean for joining me today, cheers guys Thank you, thank you
2: Ryan Cheers, no bother.
0: As always, emails to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. You can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app and enjoy the football, if that's possible, this weekend. Cheers. you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to pick up your copies of the press and journal and evening express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the north